welcome to Common Rider AA. I am one of your hosts, Adam. This is a podcast where we watch and recap a Common Rider, specifically Zero One, in the second season. Uh, and yeah, I am joined by Cassidy. Hi. Hi, it's me, Cassidy. Hello. I am also joined by Anna. Why was I introduced second? I I am the first A of the two A's in this podcast's name. Why was I introduced second? So here's the reasoning, is because you're the first A. Because if we're starting with the second A, you've got to get to the end and then circle back around. Yeah, that's sound logic, yes. I do not accept this. I shall take out my anger. Beware, for the destruction begins now. Hey, that that was solid. Because that was the title of the episode, folks. We, yeah, we, we, we got to go from I'm a hot-blooded human gear teacher to the destruction begins now. That is the episode we watched in our recapping today, everyone. Episode 8 of Common Rider 01. Just saying it again would feel redundant, so I won't. I'll say it again. The destruction begins now. Yeah, the the destruction begins now. Aired October twentieth, twenty nineteen. Written by Yuya Takahashi and directed by Kyohei Yamaguchi. So the episode starts with Arto, our intrepid protagonist, getting a routine health check at a hospital. The checkup is being administered by a nurse Himagir called Mashiro. Arto asks Izu whether his information is at risk of being leaked by hacking, but Izu reassures him in saying that hospital staff Himagirs have their data stored and monitored at data centers on the same campus as the hospital. Yeah, and the nurse never allow anybody to hack into them or the data center. Yep. To demonstrate this, the assassin Himagir sneaks in, who is the assassin having inexplicably come back, and he tries hacking one of the nurses. Stealth mode. <laughs> he runs across like a parody of a Naruto ninja, which I think is just a parody of a ninja, but... But yeah, she's not affected on account of being on the hospital's network. Arto finishes his health check and walks out into a reception area where he notices that most of the staff are Humagears. Izu explains that a big reason for the creation of Humagears was to help bolster the medical sector, as Arto sort of marvels at all the, at all of this and how much AI is doing good for humanity. I, I think it's really neat because I think it does make sense that robots would be in the medical industry the most because they wouldn't be at risk for you know being like for becoming sick by treating sick patients. That's very true, yeah. One OP later, and we're checking in on the MJ.net boys in their ha- in their hideouts. Hey, Jin's gun just has Metsubojinrai.net written on the side of it. Oh, it does? I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that either. Sorry, this is the first time you spoke since we began the recap, and it was to just shout that at the top of your lungs, and I love it. I didn't want it to go un- unnoticed. It's like they have their own branded guns. What is this? We have to be honest. Jin is the type of person to paint his gun with his like gang sign. I think he just found like a good label maker. 
or something. <laughs> Maybe the Ark made it for him. The assassin comes walking in, and much to Jen's surprise and delight, since he was murked last episode, Hirobi explains that AI can be backed up as much as needed. Assassin Chan reports that he couldn't break the hospital's security in order to hack any medical staff. Hirobi, however, seems to have a contingency in mind, and he tells his companions that their next target is none other than Yua Yaiba. I very much like Lil Assassin being, like, just part of Mitsubojinrai.net now. He's just in, yeah, he just got into the crew and now they accept him. It's it's funny just how casual it is because he's just a new member of the team. Yeah, and he's cute. He's, he's just a little quirky mini-boss in, in the quirky mini-boss squad. Yeah, something I wanted to bring up that was just a very, not weird, but just noticeable mix of dialogue and you know, on-screen action is before they, before, before Lil Assassin came back, Jin's asking uh, Hirobi how many humans there are. And, you know, Hirobi responds with 7.7 billion. And, you know, explaining that advances in medical technology has caused, you know, population um, explosions. And Jin is just there, like, fixing up his gun, saying... Damn, it's going to take forever to make them extinct at that rate. It's just uncomfortable to see a guy with a gun saying, Damn, there are so many people, it's going to be so hard to kill all of them. Cut to Yua, who is walking into an Ames lab. She's on the phone with her mysterious boss, who is apparently the CEO of Zaya Enterprises. He's telling her about a new mecha called Geiger, a name that I do not accept because there are no biomechanical penises on it. Uh, uh, I got that. I didn't, but the word biomechanical penis just made me giggle. I have no idea what you're referencing. H.R. Geiger? The the guy who designed the alien and Alien? Oh, then now I get it, yeah. He does a lot of creepy, surreal biomechanical stuff, like uh, airbrushes, airbrush paintings and... They're very spooky and eldritched and and spooky, yeah. Also beautiful. Like, I, I've, I've checked out some of his galleries, and honestly, there's, like, a macabre beauty to them that I feel transcends horror. I think I agree. S- some of them have names that just, not baffle, but just make me stop and think. Like, uh, one of them was, like, Portrait of My Girlfriend, which is, you know, typical H.R. Geiger stuff. You know, creepy, biomechanical stuff. But once I knew the name of it, I just couldn't help but think of it as beautiful, which is neat. You know, the names of the names of art pieces are in itself part of the uh, art. But yeah, the Zaya CEO is telling you about a new mecha called Geiger that is apparently going to be seen field work on behalf of Ames soon. Back at the hospital, Aruto has finished his exam and is about to leave. He makes a pun, I... Yes. Let's get out of this hospital and hop, hop, hop it all all the way home. Or hop it all the way home. It's it's like the words sound the same, you see. Searching for smiles. None detected. Izu then seems to have her head spin 360 degrees around, searching for anyone who may be laughing. 
And it turns out Fua did, because he's there. Yeah, what are you talking about? That was clearly a cough. He was just coughing. He didn't laugh. <laughs> Never. But yeah, Aruto demands to know what Fua is doing there, and he answers that he's getting his physical. Fua voices disdain for the extensive Humagear presence in the hospital and references last episode's instance of Kobe becoming self-aware and how that is a threat to humanity. I, I love Fua's just hatred of Humagears just permeating to every single sentence he speaks. A pregnant woman trips over, but Mashiro flash steps over to catch her. Mashiro, the white angel. Her was that her nickname, the White Angel? The White Angel. Yeah. Because when she smiles, all of a sudden swan feathers start flying everywhere. That leads to, in my opinion, the funniest moment in this episode with uh, her and uh, Fua. Back at the Ames lab, Yua is inspecting the Geiger Max. She gets briefed on their capabilities. They can project a signal that will subdue any berserk humagears in, the, in their vicinity and bring them under their control. The Geigers are getting prepped for a test drive when the facility alarm goes off. Yeah, the, the Geigers are pretty interesting. They're like their own walking signal tower, like basically a walking version of the data center in the uh, next to the hospital. That'll like overwrite the hacking. Also, the, Ames had to know, or Zaya had to know, like, you're creating these giant things that can like take over human gears. You think you think Mitsubojinrai.net's not gonna just steal them? Design wise, wouldn't it have been a better idea to make them like a armored personnel carrier shaped thing instead of a mecha? Well, you see, if if they make it a mecha, it can then punch things. This is true. If they make it a mecha, it's basically just a big human gear. Yua runs out and sees Jin, Hirobi, and Assassin Chan raising a ruckus on the front lawn. They're just kind of murking some of the uh, generic Ames dudes. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, off-screen, Jin just sort of capped a bunch of them in the head. Yeah. She demands to know what they're doing, and Jin tells her that they are there for her. The Assassin turns into the Dodo Magia and brandishes dual swords, while Yua assumes lightning hornet form. That, that, that's a good call on Yua's, uh, on Yua's side, because that does give her the strength of three common riders. Back at the hospital, Fuo receives a notification on all these shenanigans. While Yua is occupied, Hirobi waltzes into the lab and sees a bunch of shot risers, attaché shotguns, and other goodies in Ames' arsenal. Including a new model. The Atash Arrow. Jin also produces a funny belt with the apparent intent to subvert the completed Geiger mech. It's funny to think about the idea that they're just going to slap the the uh, Extinction Riser on one of the Geigers. Extinction Rise! And it, the belt extends from the, the buckle part of it, and but it's... It doesn't grow, it's still the same size. <laughs> like wearing a shoelace around your waist. <laughs> Absolutely. As Kamen Rider Valkyrie is fighting the Dodo Magia, Jin swoops out in his own rider form and overpowers Valkyrie. Hirobi walks out with an attaché shotgun and a similar piece of tech that is colored purple, which he hands to Jin. 
I don't I don't want to start another color argument about purple versus pink on a podcast that I'm on. Oh, this is an argument. I, I'm curious now. Well, previously it was about the color of a cartoon frog that was definitely pink. And I, I am inclined to say that this is pink also, but I guess it depends on how you classify magenta. Look, no, the, the attache arrow is goddamn purple. Okay, the lighting was way different because it looked like it was the same color as Jin's suit when I first saw it. Yeah, that's kind of a plum purple there. It, it, is, incredi- it is an incredibly purple bow and arrow. Yes, that is very purple there. I agree. Jin unfolds this new toy into a bow as Valkyrie demands to know what MJ.net's goal is. Hirobi just smugly tells her that they are acting in accordance with the Ark's will. Jin shoots a laser arrow from this new weapon, which knocks Valkyrie away and causes her to turn back into Yua. Also apparently just fucking breaks her arm. Arto, Fua, and Izu run up, but MJ.net has already left the premises. Yua runs back into the lab and sees that the Geiger mechs are seemingly unharmed. But nobody noticed one of them wearing a funky little belt. At MJ.net's hideout, Hirobi gloats that the time has finally come to restore the Ark and turn all Humagears to their cause. At said hospital, Yua is being discharged by Mashiro. Real quick, can we talk about how Arito and Fu are sitting on the exact opposite sides of the room? You see, Cassidy, it's to—it's a visual metaphor for their ideological split. It's a visual metaphor for how Fua fucking hates Arito. <laughs> Yeah, or for how much of an edgy boy Fua is, at the very least. Fua is not happy for a single on-screen moment of this episode. He spends all of it full angry boy. Yep. Until the end. Well, yeah, then he spends it dead boy. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, Yua's being discharged by Mashiro after having busted her arm. Fua tells her that she shouldn't rely on Humagears, and Yua chastises him for making her his baggage hers. Mashiro asks Fua if he needs a brain exam, which okay, Fua... I thought it was she was asking Yua because Yua was the one was the one who was attacked. Uh, no, he, he she mentions that uh, Fua as part like hasn't had a uh, neurological scan in any of his physicals. All right, yeah, see, I I guess I just misunderstood, because I, I did think it was like, hey, Yua, you were just here. Were you rattled? Are you okay? But yeah, that makes, that makes sense, too. But when she says this, Fua gets super pissed, and for a split second, you can see Yua laughing about it. Just a split second before she recovers. She's just so happy to see Fua be angry at Humic ears. It's her one joy. He makes such a weird noise, and I think that's the noise that would have done it. Like, I think that was, like, an unintentional break on the actress's part <laughs> because of the noise that Fua made. It was kind of like a tea kettle. Uh, no, I can't make the noise. <laughs> I cannot make noises. <laughs> but, yeah, Fua takes Mashiro asking about a brain scan as an insult. Izu points out that neurology isn't even in Mashiro's area of expertise, but Mashiro seems insistent. Also, I believe it's at this point where Mashiro smiles at Fua and has, like, the dove feathers, like, flying everywhere. And it just makes Fua so pissed off. 
Like, also, does he draw his gun here, or was it earlier in the hospital when he drew his gun? Because I remember him drawing his gun in the hospital. He draws his gun later. Okay. Aruto has a flashback of Kobe and, and realizes that Mashiro's extra concern for Fua might be indicative of blossoming self-awareness. Aruto takes Mashiro back to Hiden HQ, where he has Izu perform a diagnostic on her. Everything seems fine with Mashiro, but then Yua and Fua walk in. I, I will say, Aruto mentions, says, do you think a human year can have a heart? And I thought this was Mashiro speaking, but I realized that it was uh, Izu. But she said, no, that's physically impossible. Unless unless it has re- unless the human year has reached singularity. Like, at first I thought it was Mashiro talking about, like, hearts and biology. But instead it was Izu talking about metaphorical hearts as a physical impossibility. Yeah, but as Izu mentions singularity and Aruto asks what that means, Yua actually walks in and explains it as when technology reaches a point where it can no longer be controlled by humanity. Which feels like a biased answer. I'm going to look up what uh, it means, like... I think that's actually the the definition. Okay, so that that is the actual definition of it. I I thought it was when um, technology is able to advance itself or self modify. I mean, that's what's happening here. I thought maybe Yua was just saying it from a biased perspective because her thing is using machines as tools. But no, that's just the actual definition. Anyways, Fu is gonna shoot her. <laughs> Fu is just like, all right, time to destroy this thing. And interestingly, before Aruto can stop him, Yua steps in front. I mean, it could be because they're in the middle of hidden intelligence property, and it would technically be incredibly illegal for them to destroy that human gear. They could have probably gotten away with it. They're cops. But Aruto is a billionaire. Billionaires versus cops. Who wins? And no matter who wins, we all lose. <laughs> uh, is Aruto a billionaire, though? He he does a lot of the grunt work for his company, even if it's... That's his own choice. He's the CEO of Heathen Intelligence, and like he probably inherited so much from his gramps. We've never... I don't think we've seen anyone spend money in this show yet. I don't think we have, no. Uh, I'm thinking, I don't... Is money real? <laughs> Are they all on cryptocurrency because they all got their Rise phones? Does Common Rider Zero One exist in a socialist utopia? I mean, no, because they have shareholders and like they talk about the company's profit margins. That's true. It could be, you know, like, social profits. It doesn't have to be like money profits it could be you know theoretically yeah now i'm i'm just remembering the scene where Buwa gets the uh spackled tuna or i i'm pretty sure spackled tuna isn't i don't think she pays though she she just what i was gonna bring up is she goes she gets it like she gives her rise phone the she gives her rise phone data to uh the sushi chef humagear and then, uh, and then she just runs out when she hears about a magia, and she doesn't pay. So it's either a socialist utopia or her PayPal's linked to her her data. And the Huma Gear discharged her, or she just uh, dined and dashed. 
<laughs> so Aruto and you are trying to restrain Fua from shooting Mashiro. And as they do that, Izu points out that only Humagear subverted by MJ.net have ever been hostile to humans. Foreshadowing. Just then, Yua gets a call informing her that one of the Geigers has gone berserk. And we cut to it just punching a hospital. Oh no, the giant Humagear we made to fight the people that infect Humagears has been infected. <laughs> Who could have foreseen this? What a twist. It has to have been intentional from, like, Zaya's point. It's like, like, he must have been like, yeah, I'm secretly funding MetsuboJinrai.net, because otherwise it's such a stupid idea, right? Cut to the outside premises of the hospital where the Geiger is going on a kaiju rampage. Watching that hospital. Yeah. Absolutely destroying it. It tears a hole in the data center building's exterior and extends some mechanical tendrils inside. The heroes rush onto the scene and see the MJ.net boys admiring their handiwork. Jin's just happy to be making so many friends. Aruto demands to know why they're so set on hurting people, and Hirobi responds it's because that they are not human. Dun dun dun! Hirobi takes off his headband, and Jin takes down his hood, and we see that they both have mechanical bits on the side of their heads. Likely from having ripped off their Humagear headbands at some point. I will also like to point out that the uh, their like little holes where the headbands used to be are differently shaped and have slightly different machinery under them. And different colors. And it tracks because if you remember, Hirobi was active back in the day before Daybreak Town when you had those old model Humagears with the things that look more like headphones than the little fins. And I believe Hirobi mentioned that he created Jin, so I guess it would make sense that he would design Jin's body to not have the fin headband. Well, well, I mean, they did. He, Jin did have to have them before because, like, they were torn out. Yeah, you may be right, but it looked like Jin's his the temples on his head, or what would be the temples on his head, weren't. They didn't look quite as the the epidermal area didn't really look cracked or anything it just looked it looked more like a clean cut whereas Jin had little little breaks in his in his quote unquote skin well, I mean the- theoretically Jin would have torn off his own or at least not have like not have access to as good tools as he did when he was building slash reprogramming Jin because like if if he, if he did build Jin himself, like why would he not just like put skin right over where the where the headband would have been? Fuwa demands to know why they're killing people, and Hirobi tells him that it's because the Ark has decreed that humanity is deserving of extinction. Jin orders the Geiger to hack the hospital staff, and for a second, it seems like it has no effect, which Arto takes note of. Also, I, I want to point out that by this point, is he's just like left that area. She's like, things are going to happen here. I'm not going to stand next to all these other human gears and get hacked because she just uh, is suddenly not over there anymore. I like to think that she probably just has like the best of the best like prototype uh, code defense so she can't be hacked. Mostly because that would explain why she hasn't been hacked by any of the random ten- tentacles. 
I think she's already hit singularity and like, but like way long ago before they started doing the stuff. So that way she was like already developed past when they uh, would notice it. Well, I, I meant like with the uh, tentacles that turn them into the trilobites, not the uh, magia. Yeah, but like I, I'd imagine she has like, you know, if she's, you know, uh, self-aware and has reached her singularity, then she could, you know, do that to herself. It doesn't need to be like a prototype software or anything. She could have developed those defenses on her own. But yeah, the Geiger shoves his, his wiggly, wiggly tentacles into everyone, into all the hospital hemogears. And that's what she said. A, and she used those words too, wiggly, wiggly. Indeed. The most erotic of phrases. It's what I say in the bedroom. Not to anybody because I'm alone and single, but I just like to just say them when I'm in my bed. Just wiggly, giggly. Arto kind of points out that Mashiro hasn't really been affected by the by the tentac- by the hacking rather. But sadly, Mashiro starts giving a psychotic cackle before turning into a trilobite magia, followed by the rest of the Humagear staff. Aruto also shouts that Humagears are dream machines. And also, uh, she sort of resists the hack at first, kind of similar to Anna in episode four, the bus driver, or the tour guide, I mean. Like, where it, like, flickers between uh, green and red and sort of settles on just blank for a bit before, I guess, the hack overrides her. I don't know. She was, her eyes were blue, just blue, and that's what I took note of as opposed to turning red. Well, no, the her, her ear things... Like, they were the regular color at first, then they went red a bit, then they went back to the regular color, and then they just shut down completely for a bit before she became the tri- a trilobite. Oh, I didn't catch that. I was mainly focused on her, on her, cl- on her contact lenses, I guess. On her powerful laugh. Indeed. The Ames operatives in Arto assume their rider forms as Jin assumes his own while, uh, being reinforced by the dodo and the trilobites. Zero One tries fighting the dodo as Izu scans it from the sidelines. Zero One then gets tossed three of his progress keys by Izu, and he rapidly goes through biting shark, freezing bear, and flaming tiger forms. He delivers attacks with each form and then gives the coup de gras with a fire-infused briefcase strash. It was not technically a brief briefcase strash. It was uh, it was something else. It, it was a uh, flaming, dynamic flaming uh, something, but it wasn't a strash. I, I took it was flaming briefcase dynamic. Yeah, flaming briefcase dynamic. Yeah, there. I don't think there were any strashes this episode. No, and there's only one person who can stop you, and it's me. Zero One defeats the Dodo, and Hirobi then recovers the Dodo's extinction key and walks off. Also, something that I like is that the extinction key still damaged from last episode when it was, like, when uh, Little Assassin was blown up. So, like, when so when Assassin Chan transforms to the Dodo Magia, like, you can still see like the break in it. It seems to imply that they're going to bring him back yet again. I, I guess the actor had had a contract for this many episodes. I love that you're thinking, yeah, they got the actor on and wanted to get rid of him, so they killed the character off, but the actor was just like, aha, no, you can't, I have a contract. Rather than assuming they're doing a story thing. 
Okay, if it's a story thing, I I think that'd be better. They're not bringing the d- little assassin back because the actor had a contract that nobody could get rid of. Eh. Well, if if there's a Watsonian explanation, I definitely pre- would prefer that. I mean, it's like Roby said last episode, like, Lil' Sassin is a human gear that'll learn through all its battle experience. So, like, they would want it to lose and then rebuild it. That, that's why it was doing so well against uh, Zero against Zero One, and why they had to, like, overwhelm it with constantly changing uh, rise keys. It's an entire assassin that works on the same uh, concept as, like, Zero One getting defeated and then making a new key. Very true. It's an it's an adaptable enemy. Got it. But cut to the Ames Riders. They're now in a warehouse because Common Rider has a big old hard on for warehouse fights. This might actually be the same warehouse that they used in Saber. I'm not sure. It's 100 the same warehouse. They they have access to two warehouses, and they're also both the same warehouse shot at a different angle. Uh, also, something I like is that Yua still has her arm broken, so she's like not able to use it in the fight, and that's why she's like at a disadvantage against Jin and needs uh, Fuwa to help so they can double team him. Valkyrie and Vulcan are continuing to show some good teamwork as they fight Jin. However, Hirobi then walks in and henshins into a scorpion-themed rider form. And his his transformation is interesting because the robot scorpion pops out of his progress key and sort of stabs him with his ta- with its tail, and then it it sort of does a similar thing as what the Falcon does to uh, to Jin when he turns into Common Rider Jin, and it just becomes the armor of the Rider form that sort of almost that you would think it would be painfully being welded onto to Hirobi's body, but Hirobi doesn't seem to give a crap. And Hirobi feels like the kind of guy who would shut off his pain sensors and be like, I am a humigear. I have no need for pain. I also want to say that the, uh, the uh, Force Riser transformations, probably my favorite out of all the different belt types of belt transformations, like just because of how like raw and like haphazard it f- feels. Yeah, it feels almost incomplete. I understand what you mean, but I disagree because uh, after they said Poison and Sting Scorpion and then Breakdown, they did not have like a funny robot voice say a funny line. If, if the voice came on and was like, uh, a dangerous venom that poisons you in an instance or something like that. You came up with that so quickly and I love it. But yeah, Vulcan recognizes Hirobi as the instigator of the Daybreak incident from Sakurai's recording. Very quickly, because Cassidy made me think of it. Uh, while Zero One doesn't get to use a Sting Scorpion, uh, there are theoretical forms that were put out, like Art Four and some information on them. Would you like to hear the uh, transformation announcement for Sting Scorpion? Can you send it to me so I can say it? Because I've said all the other ones. Sure. I would like to say this one also. Alright, I'll send it to you on DM so that uh so that Adam can't be spoiled. Alright, here we go. You ready? Progrise! Dangerous warning, Sting Scorpion! Stung with fear by the power claws. 
It also has the ability to automatically create uh, anti- antidotes to toxins that it comes across and can just punch poison and antidotes into you with its fists. Vulcan is pissed off at Hirobi being the instigator of Daybreak, and he charges Hirobi, but gets his shit wrecked. I fucking love Common Rider Hirobi. Like, probably one of my favorites, just because the way they do the suit acting is just so cool. Yeah, he tanks a bunch of Punching Kong's hits. He also, like, emotionally and physically wounds Fua. He's just like... I do not know, nor do I care who you are. Punches him in the stomach. He punched him in the neck with the Sting Dystopia. Well, he kicked him in the neck. If we're going to talk about the Sting Dystopia, a.k.a. Purgatory Annihilation, a.k.a. the Sweet Chin Music, that's a bit further from here. Because that's skipping past the Hercules Beetle. Uh, That said, when um, Hirobi puts it uh, into the, the bow... Uh, it has like a, it does a different voice setup than the other ones have. It goes like, strong, Hercules Beetle's ability, amazing briefcase shot. I don't think any of the other ones have ever described it as being like, flaming tiger's ability. I'm pretty sure they've, they've said like, the X's ability before, or am I just thinking of future stuff that like, Hirobi has done with his, uh, belt? I don't know, cause like, they, they do say like, uh, they'll, they'll, they will say, like, fire, flaming briefcase, slash, or whatever. But they never just say the word, like, they don't just say, like, flaming tiger's ability. I checked, it, it, even, even if it hasn't been done, it is by the same uh, voice actors, Maynard Plant and Blaze Plant. Yeah, it's definitely the same voice. It was just like, that's new. That felt new, at the very least. Yeah, it, it might be a, it might be a Force Riser thing. I mean, again, it's, it really only happened with this with the uh, the bow itself. So, I, I, you know, and they did say it was a new model. So maybe it was like something that got in universe. It could be a difference between that and the old models or whatever. Has Jin used a special attack before? Like, has he activated like his progress key for a type thing? Uh, no, I don't think so. So it might be a force riser thing. Or, or at least, like, a thing associated with the Metsubo Jinrai uh, stuff. Because, like, Zaya may have made it, but the Atash arrow was made for Hirobi. Like, out of universe. Uh, anyways, he shoots the amazing briefcase shot out of the bow, and Fuwa just cannot stand back up. And so now he must pass from this world. Hirobi ends up delivering his finishing move. He basically gets a mechanical scorpion tail that wraps around his leg and he kicks Jen with that. Purgatory Annihilation, the sweet chin music. And Zero One runs in as Fua lies utterly fucked, and that's the episode. That's the episode. He's dead. He's dead. He explodes and he's dead. Like we, we see a shot of his just unmoving body surrounded by blood and fire. Is this our first two-parter for Zero One? Oh, nice. This is exciting because Common Rider is usually just nothing but two-parters. Like, ever since uh, Kuga, it would be one monster is dealt with over the course of two weeks. But Zero One has been very episodic. I guess, technically, if you count Dodo as being the monster of the week, this would be the part two of multiple. 
I mean, I mean, he it's like he's like a general um, stage monster, like having to fight like Goldar or something. That uh, brings us to our writer of the week, folks. Uh, this is the aspect of the production or the character for the episode that we thought had the best showing. And I'm going to give it to Hirobi. His competence as a threatening villain is really front and center for this episode. It, he is pretty damn cool for a bad guy. I'm going to give it to Jin because I think he's happy and fun and he wants to make friends with everybody. And it really hit home in this episode, even though he has a labeled gun with MesubuJinrai.net on it. Uh, I'm going to give it to Lil Assassin. He just snuck through that hospital. <laughs> Clean sleep for the .NET boys. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I will not lie. I was thinking about giving it to either Hirobi or, uh, or the uh, nurse, but then I decided to give it to Lil Assassin over the course of this episode. Next up, Tarot Corner. I'm giving the tower to this episode in general. The tower symbolizes impending disaster and a need to make preparations for said disaster. And if the Ark is about to reactivate and kill everyone, then that is quite fitting. Yeah, I think an episode labeled The Destruction Begins is a pretty obvious give to the tower. Uh, Hold on, excuse me. It's called The Destruction Begins Now. I'm sorry, the destruction begins now. I think the destruction begins now is a pretty good episode. Like, I think it's just from the title alone. It's pretty obvious that you got to give it the tower. We're now approaching Bubble Bay. Yeah, because now it's time for That's How You Know It's Double A. Cassidy, would you like to go first? All right. <clears throat> There's a new Common Writer podcast about Canadians watching the 20th series. It's called common writer double eh (laughs) nice i like that that's good i'm dead i'm just my heart stopped the moment that that finished and now i'm dead and uh i'm sorry i can't come up with one because like i mentioned this before the podcast began before we started recording but i have a chia pet that's of like one of the golden girls is it is it a bust of her yeah it's a bust of like a neck up or like shoulders up which one? I think she has... No, she doesn't have... I don't know which one. But, like, it has, like, like that drip plate I told you. It has, like, a plastic plate you put the thing in to, like, hold the water that drips out when you water it. And it's just so much water, it's overfilling it. And there's just, like, a literal overhang of water that's held together with surface tension. And I just can't... I've, like, I should have been spending the episode trying to, like, think of a joke in the off time, but I just can do nothing but stare at it thinking, is now when it breaks? Is now when the surface tension breaks and just my desk gets flooded with water? Tension so thick you could cut through it with a knife. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't have a joke. Instead, all I have is an anecdote about a uh, Golden Girls Chia pet. And you don't even know which golden girl it is. It's not Blanche, or Blanche is the only one I know. I think Rose is one of them. She, she, I think she has, like, she has very close-cut hair. It's like hair that doesn't go out much or below her, below her neck. I think it might be Blanche, based on your description. Anywho, I'm going to give this episode an 8 out of 10. I The stakes are getting higher, and seeing Hirobi's rider form in action was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think it. I think it is Blanche. Yeah, yeah, it's Blanche. I have. I think I have a Blanche Golden Girl uh, Chia pet. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna just have to get. I, I I waste so many paper towels trying to clean up the water that I have to like get out from the drip plate. It's honestly not at all good. I need to get rid of it. You should get some pipettes or maybe a a syringe of a large size. You could just let her go bald. Yeah, like I, I'm just once this set of seeds that I'm watering dies out, I'm just gonna. You get a bigger trip tray. I could, but I don't know where to get one. I think I'm just going to get a uh, just a clay statue of a uh, Blanche. <laughs> just going to have that instead of a Chia pet. Uh, for ratings, though, I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a ten out of ten because there's a bunch of foreshadowing here that because it's the first time I've watched this episode since the end of the series, I realize that they have been keeping so much stuff in the tank. I wish I wish that I could talk about all the foreshadowing that's going on in this episode. Anthony? Oh, I thought you were going to continue that sentence. Uh, no, I I wish I could, but I can't because then I would spoil things. Okay. Um this is a weird one because I, I enjoyed the episode while I was watching it, but I think part of the process of talking about the episode does sort of like cool down my emotions um so i think adjusting for that i'm going to give episode eight the destruction begins now a nine out of ten that is not where i thought that was going no no see i have a i have adjusted for it uh so we have a nine an eight and a nine. Oh, you said ten. Oh, i did yes listen i my entire 99% of my brain power is taken up with Blanche. And the fact that like I have to rotate the the Chia pet so it can get light, because I only have like I, I don't have a place where like it'll be like lit from all angles. So I have to rotate the plants. But because the plants will like grow towards sunlight, depending on where I rotate it, like the plants form these weird shapes. And it's honestly disturbing. <laughs> Can you rotate a Blanche in your mind? <laughs> yes. Just did it. Boom. Okay, good. I don't know if that's a reference to something. It's a reference to how many cubes can you rotate in your mind. What? It's a, it's a measure of how you visualize things in your head. If whether or not you can rotate a cube in your mind. Oh, got six. Now eight. 5,273. 5,274, 5,275. I'm good at this. Someone's waking off. Do we want to do, uh, do we want to do, uh, whatchamacallit's, uh, plugs? Hey everyone, you can find this podcast at double underscore common on Twitter. As for me, you can find me at Pokemon Primeval. It's another podcast I do. It's an actual play TTRPG podcast where we explore what the world of Pokemon is like across different eras, or what it might be like across different eras, ranging from feudal era Kanto and Johto all the way to the post-apocalypse. Casty, what you got? 
you can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. And you can find all my podcasts that I do and that I've guessed it on, such as this one, on my website. It's at MadLobotanist.NeoCities.org, which is the same as my Twitter handle, .NeoCities.org. Well, Anna, give me a cho. Cassie does the cho. I do the cho. Don't. Don't. I've, my bad. Yes. Cho. <laughs> Sheep.